Welcome to a very festive, very seasonal, possibly quite depressing Blackcast. It is I, Christian Blad of the Blackcast, and for a return voyage, did we settle on Matt Sinkowitz? Is that, that's right. Yeah, yep, that's good. That that is the compromised uh, sort yeah. of uh, immigration name uh, Be- pronunciation. Because I, as we talked about last time, I wanted to go like the comic book artist. I wanted to, you to be Sinkovich, and you're like, nope, not as fast yeah. as, fa- as fancy as that. Uh, well, uh, Matt, I uh, brought your book with me so that uh, I could uh, introduce you properly, and then I've left it on the couch. Uh, so why don't you remind people, uh, a little bit about yourself while I go fetch it? <laughs> yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm an academic. I am a, a, a professor of communication and international studies at Boston college. Uh, one of my areas of research is, uh, is what we call comedy studies. Uh, so that's what I came on last time for. I've got a book out called the comedy studies reader, uh, which, uh, we talked about last time. So you can find that in an old episode. And, uh, I, I have to say, uh, uh, what you asked me to watch for this uh, this this episode was was not funny, Christian. It was not it was not comedy. It, it, it was it was not, and uh, obviously it's. So we're talking about Alf, and yeah, yeah. I just want to just want to just set this up. So Christian's like, hey, what you know, want to come on the podcast? Yeah. funny light comedy podcast. Sure. Watch this Christmas show. Ah, great! Sounds good. And like, uh, what I get is a dying child of unnamed disease and a suicidal old widower, and uh, just like a, a, it was the most depressing. Th- it was it was extremely difficult to get through. Now, the, of, the of course, re- this is the Alf Christmas yes. special. Yes, the reason why I tasked you with this is because we talked about Alf last time, and I, oh, was tra- I loved every minute. I yeah. want to be clear. Yeah, yeah, and I and I was. Um, I was trying to think of a good excuse to have you on again after last time. Not that it wouldn't be fun to just chat again the way we did, but I was like, what's a what's a good angle? And uh, I don't think I've ever had anyone on who uh, had any degree of affinity for Alf. It's a it's a very specific age range. I think I'm a few years older than you, as I recall. But we're both right in the range where Alf was hugely popular. A little bit older than us, didn't c- care about Alf. Uh, a little bit younger than us, don't even know what that is, you know? Alf was very important. Yeah. Alf was the, like, like in my, my, uh, like heart of childhood, right? Uh, eight, nine yeah. years old. It was, it was, it was the, uh, it was, I think, as I mentioned last time, me and my sister used to record Alf, Alf sketches on our giant, uh, camcorder. <laughs> so, uh, we had, uh, and I remember, uh, this is not that, so my sister, it relates to the episode. Yeah. Uh, my sister was insistent that she wanted the Alf, uh, doll. Of course. Right. And I remember she was like five. And I remember telling her, like, you're not going to like this. It's going to be super scary. She said, no, I love Alf. I love Alf. We bought her it. And it was just absolutely terrifying. Did he like, talk? Ha- no, he didn't talk. Oh, he, no. He, he didn't talk. And this is part of the episode. The episode yeah. Alf uh, pretends to be an Alf doll. Uh, but just his visage and the little mole on his yeah. distended nose. And uh, and she would, like, wake up with nightmares. So uh, I, I watched the Alf <laughs> cartoon. I had Alf trading cards. Uh, no Alf Pogs, uh, but uh, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, yes, Alf is big, and I, I'm the right man for this job. I'm not yeah. saying I'm not. I did not remember just how ridiculous and painful that episode was, the Christmas special. So I remembered that I definitely had watched it, and the reason why we're talking about uh, it's called Alf's Special Christmas, and it's not currently on 
a streaming site that is a reputable one, but you can watch it for free on the internet. I'll just say that much. It's not hard. You just need no. to Google it. You'll Google. find it. Just Google. You might need to find it in, in two parts. And you know what? You might need to take a break in the middle anyway. Uh, uh, I did not get through straight through. Uh, I, had to, I had to break it up with a full well, day. I started yesterday <laughs> and I finished this morning. Well, uh, yeah, I only had time last night. So uh, I started <laughs> for uh, another show that I do. I watched White Christmas and then I dove mm. right into Alf's special Christmas. <laughs> I, I think I should have done them in the other order. I think uh, so. But uh, and the reason why it's kind of been in my mind for a while to do something about the Alf's special Christmas is that I remembered and I've, I've found the exact wording of it. Uh, so it's. I guess it's that Gizmodo website. And back in 2013, I thought it was more recent than this. They have basically in their, there's a tag that they have for worst episode ever. And this mm. is from uh, December 20th, 2013. So six years ago. And the title kind of says it all. The Alf Christmas special may be the root of all holiday depression. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm pushed back right away in that I feel like holiday depression, <laughs> I feel like it comes from expectations of joy Yes. and like, you know, sort of uh, having a good time and cheer and all that. And this thing from minute one is just like, this is going to hurt. Yeah. Right. Like there is no, there's very little rug pulling. I mean, I guess you could argue that anything that starts with a talking alien puppet and ends with an, an, an aborted suicide and a child death, like that yeah. is necessarily a disappointment. But like this thing does not, it is very serious from, 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 well, that's not true. It starts with him singing a ridiculous song. And by the it, time it, they get to the cabin about a minute yeah. in, you know, this is going to be rough. Yeah. And I would say it, it does deviate pretty quickly. He's uh, singing the uh, 82nd day of Christmas and each day is a different way to prepare a cat. And, you know, look that uh, maybe in, in 2019, almost 2020, the idea of, uh, you know, filleting pets is is upsetting. But this is what was comedy, high comedy in 1988. Uh, yeah, Alf liked to eat. Alf had, Alf had actually very few character traits. He was mostly just like a, a kind of like a, a funny, a little bit douchey 80s guy. Yeah. But and he was an alien. So there's that. Uh, he liked to eat cats. And what else? What are what are Alf's other traits? He's like he's like a joker who likes to. Eat. I'm trying to think. Yeah, like well, that is that is what you remember. He's he, there's details like he's from yeah. Melmac. His alternate ego is Gordon Shumway. You can remember trivia, but in terms of who Alf is, he's a jokester who likes to eat cats. Right, and as, as we discussed Alf last time, you remembered uh, a detail I didn't, which was the fake Michigan corporate. life and casualty. Yeah, Michigan life and casualty, exactly. And uh, yeah, and it's just uh, look, it, it's a very much a, a convention of TV at the time, but it's unlike any other Alf episode in that. Well, there's a lot less jokes. Whether whether you could watch any Alf episode now and think it's funny, that's up to the viewer, um, but. It's no, it, it's there not are very few jokes so much so that one of the few I can remember is a joke that Alf makes that doesn't land yeah. in like the diegesis in the story. He tells a joke and people don't laugh and he notes that the joke wasn't funny. Yeah. And then he, he says he's going to take it back. He, he, he like lets it sit out there. for the Yeah. Which I guess is sort of a meta. He's like, this is not going to be funny. And so, there, yes, I'm sorry to interrupt. But there, there are very few jokes. And when there are. Because, again, the themes of this are suicide yeah. and child death. They stick out. 
they stick out pretty badly. Yeah, so I, I made some notes. So the biggest way in which it's different than a normal episode of Alf is that it is not shot on a on a soundstage. Uh, Alf been. never had a studio audience. Uh, right. It always had a laugh track because if you read anything about Alf, it took like, you know, nine to ten hours to film just because of the the way that they had to build the sets and the way that they used Alf and all of that. Mm. Uh, but... They, uh, but of course, like when you have something that's shot on film with a laugh track, it's like or you're not even trying, you know. It's like, but that was very yeah. common in, in, at, at this time period. One of my favorite shows uh, from almost the same time period on ABC was a show called Sledgehammer, and that was shot right. on film, but it had a laugh track. Uh, when they yeah. put it out, when they put it out on DVD, they took the laugh track out, which was great. But it was like they still didn't trust us as viewers to to know whether or not we were supposed to laugh. And, it, I and, guess, and it didn't denote lack of quality like it does yeah. now, or didn't? So, I mean, Mash had a laugh track. Sure, right? yeah, it was that, that was quality TV for you know at, at its finest at the time. Yeah, and it, it was you know, I mean, it was shot quickly, but it was on film. It, it, clearly, there was nobody watching this thing being shot. So yeah, yeah. it was just a, a convention of the time. Um, but the I don't know how much of this is the reproduction based on the pirate video site or whatever, <laughs> but it, <laughs> it yeah. it's got this like sort of gauzy feel to it i mean it, it does not have the markers of something funny at all even less so than like a mash it, it it's on film it, it's the it's the single camera and it is it has like a look to it where the, the laugh track is particularly like upsetting and discordant yeah it's not the same quality of film you would use if you made a movie at the same time it's definitely it, it's definitely a cheaper grade of film i don't know if it's you know, I, my basic understanding of actual film is like, could this be 16 millimeter? I'm like, I don't, I don't even think so. But, you know, whatever mm. it is, it's it's not what would have been projected in, you know, whatever, whatever a big movie of 1988, 1989. Oh, it wasn't shot the same way as Tango and Cash, uh, you know. <laughs> so, well, they, I mean, it looks like a student film kind of or an art film very or true. something, you yeah. know, the, the, you know the, a Jarmusch film, like in terms of the stock or something yeah. like that. It's like intentionally a little lo-fi. Uh, but again, it's got a talking puppet and, and suicide and, and, and child death. Oh. It's, it's a, it is a, it, that is a weird stew. It, yeah. Well, I mean, and, and let's not forget the, uh, other main story point, which is of course the comic relief, which is Alf delivers a baby <laughs> in an elevator. Alf as midwife. Yes. Yeah, of course. Dr. Shumway. <laughs> Dr. Shumway. And to be clear, like, you know what? I, I might've been. The, the the idea he puts on the mask and the scrubs and if I'm correct and please correct me, the the mother just did not notice it was not a human being. Yeah, like, I guess she just thought he was short and hairy, you know. I yeah. Mean, okay. All right. I, yeah. I, I think you're right. I don't think she's like, what are you? Because I guess for logic's sake, she needed to calm down. And maybe if uh, it had been like, oh, I'm just an alien, you know, uh, not. Oh, not yeah, no, I, I see why he didn't come clean. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but he's going through a lot of pains throughout this yeah. to not be discovered. Right. Yeah. And just I mean, I guess it's the comic relief. But yeah, that that is the. Uh, that yeah, there is the, the like the cliche the cliche elevator birth also gets kind of tossed in the middle. It is it is it is a remarkable a, a remarkable uh, media object, Christian. I, I do thank you for for at least uh, reminding it, of its, its and, existence. And and as far as you know, you don't remember whether or not you watched it uh, when it was first on, right? I well, okay. On the one hand, I want to say I had to have. Yeah, but. Uh, what year was it? I, I didn't look up the year. What year? What year did it air? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think it's from season two. So I think it's from 1988, but uh, I I will confirm right. that. Uh, so I would have been seven or eight years old. There is every possibility that it started and my parents turned it off. 
<laughs> Very true. <laughs> like, if I, I mean, this is, you know, I, I have no, this is a long time ago, but if I had to guess, there's no way that I didn't try to watch it, that I didn't start yeah. watching it. It is very possible I never saw the end. I have a vague shadow memory of that girl. Yeah, me too. But, uh, oh, okay. I, so, uh, December 14th, 1987. Oh, gosh. All right. So I was seven years old. Yeah. And, and I would have been watching this with my, my five year old sister. Yeah. There is every possibility that, that, that my father, like, was at some point was like nope enough of this yeah that would make sense my uh my brother and i would always watch alf together uh but this would have been the year that he was an exchange student in brazil so i i that means i definitely watched it by myself so there was no quality control and uh, unless i'm mistaken alf was on i know it was on nbc i think it was on the same time yeah. as macgyver so my parents uh, were nowhere near alf i would have to watch alf in another room they, they were MacGyvering? They were always MacGyvering. Uh, and uh, that was uh, fine with me because, uh, I don't know, whatever it is. I guess uh, I guess my mom was prejudiced against uh, Mel Mackians. So, well, uh, she could just be pro-cat. I mean, there's, there's, <laughs> there's a number of ways. Hey, we did always have cats in my house, so maybe that's... I'm telling you, there's yeah. a lot. There's, there, are many, there are many angles. I, I mean, uh, she might she might have worked for Ohio uh, Life and Casualty <laughs> and Michiganians. Yeah, but there's so many, so many different angles here. Um, so yeah. And, you know, I, 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 I had like watched clips of it kind of when I read some of these articles because I'm like, Oh, is it really that bad? And I, I remember seeing like Alf in the hospital room talking to Tiffany, the, the girl who's, uh, unfortunately you just know she's going to die one day. <laughs> it's not, it's not today, but you know, it could be Wednesday, you know? No, that's true. You don't, you don't see her through to death. I mean, I guess we have to note that there is a real Tiffany whose name comes up at the end yeah. and who died. Right. So. And yeah, have you have you did you read up on the backstory of this? Because I I could not bring myself. Oh. I I searched it and I saw the link and yeah. I couldn't click it. Well, I don't. I don't. I, I can't do in it. In the interest of of being a good host, I I felt uh -huh. like I needed to, and yeah. I was a little interested. But yeah, they do mention. I think she's listed as nine years old in the yeah. Uh, it, you know, so there it like is based 80, 79 to eighty seven. Yeah, think, so it her, it is her. based on a real girl. Um and. The uh, the man behind Alf, which, you know, at, at that time they only ever referred to it as Alf, you know, uh, would do sometimes in-person uh, uh, visits to sick kids. And oh. if they were far away, they would actually – by the way, for 1987, I can't imagine what this would cost or probably even 86 – they would do like video conferencing, you know, from huh. Los Angeles oh, and wow. they, they set it up. And so this girl, Tiffany, I think was in, as far as I can tell, she was in like Minnesota or something, you know, so she's very far away and he couldn't do it. And just for whatever reason, they were recording it. You know, they, they recorded the interaction that he had with the real Tiffany who was dying. And, you know, and he just, uh, Paul Fusco is, is the guy who was out. He talks about how, you know, the way he used to do a lot of make, here's a quote from him. I'll, it'd just be easier if I let, uh, and I'm not going to try and do an Alf voice, although I'm tempted to. Because mm, mm, that is nah. his speaking voice, by the way, is the Alf voice. I mean, essentially. Uh, but I used to do a lot of huh. Make-A-Wish things because kids would write to Alf, and I would get calls from doctors. It's heartbreaking when you think about it. And one of the letters he received from was from a girl named Tiffany Lee Smith. And he doesn't remember the details, but she was a nine-year-old girl, yeah, in the Midwest, suffering from leukemia. 
and just wanted to talk to him. So somebody at the local NBC station, you know, worked this out through Make a Wish. Which, by the way, this part of it is amazing and it's great yeah, that they that they really one is. took the time, and then you know, technology not being what it is now, you know, we're able to, because now you could just like, Hey, do you want to FaceTime with Alf? Great. Right. You know, it's not going to cost anything, you know, it's just, uh, the, the time of the guy. No, this, uh, was, this was like one of like the top five futuristic things, right? Yeah. It was like hoverboards and, right. and, uh, and video conferencing, <laughs> v- yeah. v- video conferencing Alf with six, with sick children. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it is amazing that yeah. they did this and then just, and I'm sure you can, you can, you could finish it, but that the idea to do it is amazing. And then the idea to, to, Pub to, to do this thing and inflict it upon the world yeah. is another thing. Well, that, I mean, that's the surprising strange thing. jump. Yeah. So he, so Paul Fosco talks about, you know, whenever you do these things, you always make jokes and small talk. You don't talk about whatever their situation is because the of kids course. usually don't want to talk about it anyway. And, you know, then he'd have like a fact sheet. He'd talk about what they liked and what they didn't like. And then it was like, do you have any questions you want to ask me? And he would try to make them laugh, you know? Yeah. And yeah. It, he just makes the point. They wanted to believe it was magic. You know, they, they didn't need to know, like, oh, anyway, I'm taking off the Alf mask, and now yeah, here's yeah, yeah, here's sure. me. Yeah. So you just you stay in character the whole time. You keep it light and you keep it funny. And uh, so for whatever reason, Brandon Tartikoff, who was then the president of NBC, uh, saw the tape of this and was like, oh, we should make this spe- uh, make a Christmas special around the story. Which, <sighs> I mean, that's a bad instinct right there. You know, because it's like, oh, but isn't it just like a really sweet thing that they did? And I, 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 you know, reading this about the story and the fact that Paul Fusco agreed, I'm like, okay, so they're starting from what I think is a nice place to, you know, pay tribute to this girl, Tiffany, who was sick. But it's like, Alf is essentially, it's a family show, so it's for kids. And I I don't know, I mean, unless you're going to do what they didn't do, is like, you know what? It turns out you're not sick anymore. Would you like to go home? You know, uh, <laughs> instead, it, it was a lot of this poor girl Tiffany saying things like, "Oh yeah, there used to be another girl who lived in this room, but oh, God, that's her mo- her mom thought she would get depressed if she stayed around me." Did <laughs> <laughs> oh, you talk about it? She didn't have any friends, and I'm laughing. Well, this is this is where I envision my father just turning, turning to turning it to MacGyver. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, <laughs> like, like he, I don't care what blows up in this. Yeah, it's like, got to be better than this. Like he's got a he's got a paper clip. He's going to defuse something. You, you're going to probably right. you're going to learn something. This is just going to bum you out. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, it is. This is. It's like a, you described the uh, uh, Fusco's uh, the, the the teleconferencing. It's it's heroic. It's like it's really like it's, yeah. it's very affecting to hear that, and uh, especially if you if you can remember uh, what Alf was and and sort of believe. I didn't really believe he was real, but I get but getting the idea of it, uh, and then. So wait, but this was this was a, like at the 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 highest levels at NBC. Somebody thought this was a good idea. I mean, Brandon Tartikoff. There is no higher level at that time. Yeah, we, you know. I mean, I don't think that that necessarily was a story. And so the the guy who wrote the episode was a member of the writing staff. This guy, his name was Steve Hollander, and he wrote it separately. So for people who don't know, you know, especially in comedies. 
you know, there's a, some some varieties on on how it is. Either you started in a room with a bunch of other writers, or you go off and write it by yourself, and then. At some point, a lot of other writers weigh in and you just try to make the jokes funnier, especially for a sitcom. You'll do that on set. You'll like, OK, let's try like three other jokes in this spot and see mm-hmm. if it works. This they wrote kind of separately. And he just kept uh, he like was a liaison with the creator of the series. And so he kind of wrote it separately, which, you know, may or may not have helped. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> there might have been people like, you know, let's well, maybe put some more jokes in this. Feel of like of of a of a uh, partial most of it has the feel of a rather serious play. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, like that that like a uh, the person who wrote it would describe describe you know they, they, they wrote a teleplay right that right. they were a playwright. Yeah, exactly. And this this is enhanced or exacerbated by the Willie Tanner performance. Yeah, because uh, his performance. Look, uh, that actor Max Wright, I've seen in a few things. He he played Norm Macdonald's boss on his sitcom. Uh, and uh, I, well, that's the only other thing I really remember him, uh, except for some uh, sordid stories that you might have heard about his private life that we'll leave out of yeah, this conversation. But you, want to, you want to go ahead and Google it. Uh, you, you'll see some surprising things about, uh, about the dad from ALF. Um, although I do remember a really funny John Goodman story that I'll just uh, throw in as, as, a, mm. as a complete... This is just a complete detour and a tangent. But uh, he was at Mardi Gras. This is around this time period. This is before John Goodman. Goodman or Max Wright? John, John Goodman, before he was as, okay. as well established as an actor. And uh, But, you know, he had done some things. So, so uh, a woman recognized him and was like, I know who you are. He's like, you do? He's like, You're the dad from ALF. And he's like, well, <laughs> I always wanted wrong. to fuck the dad from ALF. So he's like, yes, I am. <laughs> That's the way he told the story anyway. Anyway, it's a, I, don't, I don't even care if it's not true. It's just a funny story that somebody would feel that way. But, but yeah, so Willie's performance was always the same, but it works in the confines of a sitcom. It's like if... Well, I mean, they. I guess they did do Happy uh, that, Days. They did Happy uh, Days episodes on film, too. I was going to say, it's like trying to be the Fonz in a dramatic setting. But I, I know they did that, too. I just don't think... I, I think it didn't work. You know, it, it shows how little the other... The rest of the family... The you know the re- rest of the Tanner family kind of contributed to any episode of the show. Because it's like, mm. oh, yeah, they play everything really low. And it kind of worked for this, you know. But then, this really, this is a a high effort performance yeah. for Max Wright. Right. I mean, this is like, uh, it, I mean, at moments, it's like it feels like. Uh, I mean, it's really, it's it's very intense. He's like, he can barely get words out. Yeah. There's a there's a tra- it's like uh, Christopher Walken doing Arthur Miller. It is like really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like really intense and like uh and then and it's and, and 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 then you realize that he's mad because like alf alf like uh opened the present the day before christmas yeah like that's where this like sort of trembling existential like thing is coming from it, it is this it is a very it is a thoroughly weird performance and also and this is more of a writing thing but the performance enhances it the 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 the, the cruelty with which he treats alf yeah like the it's real, like that. I guess that, that that sets up the 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 whole thing is this darker thing. Al- Alf is being mischievous. Alf like messing with the Christmas presents, and basically like like Willie Tanner tells Alf to go kill himself. He like tells him like <laughs> go take a long walk in the woods and don't come back. Yeah, I that, mean, that that is what, what he is, says. 
And, you know, God forbid, by the way, that the alien who's been on Earth for about a year at this point doesn't understand Christmas, you know? Well, that's, right. that's, right. that's exactly right. He's like, you, you just don't understand Christmas, Alf. And he's so like, I guess, yes, of course that, I don't. That, that's the least of Alf's problems, <laughs> yeah. right? He's like, how many times have I tried to eat your cat? So what about that <laughs> makes you think that I'm not going to, you know, try on okay. the, the uh, you know, the sweater that uh, Kate gave you for Christmas? And uh, that's where kind of like... It's sort of the weird thing because, like, the comedy, I, I went back after I watched it to make sure I, I had the notes right. It's about the first eight minutes is sort of like Alf. Like, even this, though, yeah. you're right. Willie is, uh, Max Wright as Willie is way over the top. But there, it, it still kind of feels like it because you get some of the same kind of jokes. Like, Willie's got the heartfelt thing about, like, oh my God, my childhood Christmas here. You guys are going to have such a great Christmas. And so many memories, and then you hear like a thud, and Alf yells, "Help! I'm stuck in the outhouse." All right, that's a joke, yeah, you know. Yeah, so, that is a and joke. He he tried to br he brought the color TV and the microwave. These, so like these are like he doesn't understand no electricity. Yeah, he doesn't, yeah. He doesn't get it. So you got so, jokes. Perry 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 Cuomo come Perry Cuomo comes up a couple, couple times. Frequently. Yeah, a couple yeah. And but then right yeah, and then by the way, the joke that you were talking about. Uh, did you change the tags to say that all the gifts were from Alf? And his joke was, when do I have time to shop? And then that's the one that, like, even the laugh track doesn't laugh. And he's like, if I don't hear any people laughing, I'm going to take it back. And he's like, joke withdrawn. And so this is like, but then literally eight minutes in, and that's like of the 47-minute running time, uh, he says that they uh, basically... Um, so he goes, he goes into the woods at this like eight minute mark. And then it's like, okay. So he like walks off into a totally different show. Like it was already mm. a little dark, but then like well, get... Mr. Foley shows up. Yeah. Yes. Right. Mr. Foley, uh, who's just, you know, is sort of a, a, a lovable, uh, a lovable fellow, uh, by the way, uh, let's see, uh, played by, uh, an actor. I wrote his name down. Uh, he was in. He was in Blazing Saddles and he wanted this part. He like actually mm. wanted the part. So, um, mm. <laughs> you know. Okay. Yeah. We can talk. I have some thoughts on Mr. Foley. So, yeah. So well, we'll, so yeah. let's talk about the introduction of Mr. Foley and we'll, we'll yeah. go from there. Yeah. So, so Mr. Foley. So, for one, and, and, you know, it's hard. So, Mr. Foley was the, the, the backstory, right? Is that Mr. Foley had uh, apparently Willie was homeless as a child. And Mr. Yeah. Foley owned a cabin, but isn't Mr. Foley like roughly the same age as Willie? Like, is he is he old enough? Older is Willie younger than he looks? What do you think I, the I, age gap is? That's my I, first question. I would question. think that uh, that they're playing Willie. You know, they're having Willie be like maybe around he's forty, even though he looked like he was sixty. Forty. Well, just because <laughs> look, he, he oh, like. Twenty plus years later, he you know he does another sitcom and like then he's like you know he's still employable. I don't know what the age range is, but you got to figure like yeah. sitcom dads they didn't want to be in their fifties maybe. Although he does have a right. teenage daughter, so maybe yeah. somewhere in that range. Yes, he does. But I I don't know. I think that the idea that Mr. Foley's wife died just of old age implies that he's older. But you're right; they don't really <laughs> look older. And you know, I mean, and look, I, I mentioned that right before this, I I watched uh, White Christmas and my wife was talking about it and I was talking about the, the one actress being older than Rosemary Clooney. I'm like, but that's the little sister. I'm like, that actress is definitely older. And you look it up and yeah. it's like, yeah, she's seven yeah, years old. Yeah, you got to deal with this. I yeah. totally get it. Yeah. But, 
but when was Willie a child in the depression? Like when yeah. there's something... <laughs> it does, it does feel that way for sure. <laughs> something super. And like, they're, they're like, they're so bad off that they, that but they go to a cabin in the woods. It is, it is a very strange thing in general. So, but Mr. Foley, Foley is the savior and you think he's going to be a, uh, sort of a, yeah, like a lovable, maybe curmudgeonly guy, but he is just like catatonically depressed. Yeah. Right. Like that is an unusual role in a sitcom is catatonically depressed widower. And that's what he is. And, and it basically never changes. I mean, I guess at the very, very end it changes. So I shouldn't say it doesn't change. Yeah. Uh, but the, the evolution is not till the very end. Most of the things he just gets worse and worse and worse. Uh, and uh, this is when you know for sure that when he comes in, and, and it, this is what, what I said, it sounds like a, you know, somebody, the, the writer would call themselves a playwright. Yeah. They ask what happened to his wife, and he just, there's like a pregnant silence. And Time he just to walks go. Off yeah. Stage. yeah. And I mean, it's, it's weird because, like, this guy being the guy who plays Santa at the children's hospital and he fixes toys that kids threw away, you're like, oh, this is a great guy. You know, I bet that that's really fulfilling work to help sick kids. And you're like, nope, not, not for Mr. Foley. And you're just like, okay, so, and look, I guess it's like, I'm, I'm really down and I'm probably going to have to kill myself tonight, but let me go swing by the kids first so I can bring some of my misery their way, you know? Well, yeah, right. <laughs> there's, there's a nobility, right? But, yeah. but he's probably doing more harm. He could just send the gifts, right? Like he could, he could <laughs> find somebody else. Yeah. Right? Like it does seem like it, it seems like he's, he's, uh, he's at the very least working against himself. Yeah. But and, I just and, want to emphasize, he's, he is overtly suicidal throughout the entirety of this. And he's not the sad part. Yeah, that's true. He He's not. You're right. He's not, he's not the saddest part of, of this whole thing. And I, li- I love that when, you know, so he goes to the children's hospital and, you know, uh, Alf, by the way, who is, I think, in the car looking at the toys intended for sick children. But I believe he's going to steal them uh, he's to give. Planning to steal them. Yeah, yes. yeah I, right. either for himself or for uh, the the Tanner boy, you know. Uh, but yeah. whatever the case, he's planning on stealing toys uh, for sick and you know, really yeah, uh, which, terminally which, ill again, children. This is this is like this, I think this is a, a difficulty with that with Al. Is he doing it because he's like a sleazy guy, which is probably what you're supposed to read? But he's also an alien who doesn't get things. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, it's a, it's a very why does he think it's okay to take this football and give it to brian yeah i I don't know if it's because he's like a scam artist or if he just like you know it's it he's like you say he showed up uh he showed up with his crayons from uh uh from melmac uh you know uh, eight episodes ago or whatever yeah and of course by the way uh i don't remember that much about the show but i i feel like Brian wasn't going to be a kid that would play with a football anyway, but maybe I'm confused. Um, I might be confusing no, you, him with, with Jonathan on who's the I boss. Exactly or, where you were going with that. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> or let's just say as a character, he's not portrayed. That, that's what a, I'm, I'm just talking about the character, you know, because yeah, yeah. The, that clear. character yeah. type was on, was on who's the boss was, uh, was, was Ben on growing pains. You know, the, that's just yeah. what, that's just sensitive what, boy. yeah, exactly. The sensitive boy. And as someone who was a sensitive boy himself, I, I could relate to that so i was like alf he doesn't want a he doesn't want a football well he, find but he better. thinks it's a he thinks it's like a, 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 a spaceship a, a spaceship yeah so he like makes up another alien race like the blondorvians yeah. or whatever and yeah. says, oh it looks like a blondorvian spaceship right which is it's sort of filling out the world in a, in a very distracting way <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, exactly. So the so the, you know the, there's there's like some very light comedy at the children's hospital. Go figure. When he's uh, when Mr. Foley dressed as Santa is giving out presents, you have like the boy that asks for like he's like I want to I want a mitt a ball and a, and a bat. And he's like, well, you know, you only get one, so just have the mitt. And he's like, well, I'm going to take the mitt and the ball. And so he runs away. And then the laugh track is there because um, it's a reminder of kids are assholes. So it's just like, that's funny right there. (laughs) But even dying kids are assholes. Wow. This is a very serious hospital. Very right serious <laughs> hospital. And so. uh, the the kid who just uh, says pass to, to Alf, Alf is described as having yeah. big ugly ears and big ugly eyes. Uh, I thought that was uh, very cute. Uh, and then uh, the young girl Tiffany, who, as we've established in our conversation, didn't have any friends. Uh, and this mm-hmm. is an actress who was on an NBC show called Our House. This was uh, what they, mm-hmm. even in those age, they felt was uh, was synergy. You can use, you know, mm-hmm. your actors from your other shows for your very special episodes, for your very special parts. Um, and I believe the actress, uh, you know, after that show that she was on ended, uh, she didn't really do much acting. But uh, hopefully, uh, I, she did I, not. I can't imagine what experience might have pushed her. Yeah, away I was going to say the, from the business. I, hopefully, she uh, did not go the way of Tiffany. And uh, oh, oh boy. so, yeah, so it, that, was it, da- that was darker than I was going. I'm wow. suggesting that must un- an unpleasant acting experience. Yes, but, well, that's but, the, yeah. No, no, I think. I'm, <laughs> but I, I'm sure she's still. I'm sure she's doing great. I'm sure she's. Uh, I'm sure she would love to know that uh, we're talking about this performance. So. It's not right away that, you you know, look, it's a children's hospital, so you know she's not well, but they don't take too much time letting us know that she's not going to have another Christmas, you know, but... No, no, that, you, but you can read a bit from yeah. Mr. Foley's yeah. depression, that right. we're, we're in some sort of very, very dark territory. Right, yeah, exactly. Even though it's not related to her, but like as a, as a sort of a, a textual clue, right, that, that this is going to be the tone of this thing. Yeah, exactly, and, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of, you know, there, again, you do get some comedy out of this, though, because she decides that he's named Amanda, she, like, dresses him up, and... Oh, that's true, the thing that he, that, so Alf is going to just pretend to be a toy yeah. until she misgenders him. Right. Well, I think yeah, I think it's because she was going to put earrings on and it probably would have hurt, well, but you're right, yeah. Oh, no, I see. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, she's doing like a little tea party with him and he's just pretending to be a toy, a Christmas toy or whatever, a Christmas gift. And, yeah, she calls him Amanda and, like, I, I can't remember if he makes a face or something when she's not looking. But, yeah, she's gonna, he's going to put the she's going to put the earrings on him and then he, he, he's like, that's enough. Next thing you'll have me in a bra. So yeah, I that, think that, it's mostly the misgendering. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, that's true. I think that's what it was. He's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a pr- I'm a proud Milmac boy. Uh, so and I think that, uh, you know, he's basically he says goodbye and, you know, she gives away the toy. She takes a different toy and he overhears the conversation. Uh, I think that's really what it was. You know, he overhears. The but conversation. he already at that point had the information that the previous friend. Yeah was removed because uh, but she does not say in that you have to you have to do a little bit of math to realize it's because she's dying yeah i, I believe that I, how that line goes is my uh, like my i used to have a friend here but her mom said she'll get depressed when i and then she just kind of stops yeah which is a theme in this in the, in the writing of this episode it's sort of like leaving leaving the obvious unsaid in a way that is <laughs> as depressing as possible uh and so the uh the actor i reference is playing mr foley his name is cleavon little he was from uh blazing 
saddles. Now, just sort of an interesting tidbit, and I only learned this because I, I had to do the deep dive of research on Alf's special Christmas. Carl Franklin, who plays Tiffany's doctor, and I'm mm-hmm. bringing him up because I wanted to talk about a conversation, but he went on to become a, a director. He directed a feature called Devil in a Blue Dress, and he did episodes of House of Cards and The Leftovers, amongst a lot of things, but these are the interesting ones that I thought. So he, He's kind of good, I think. Yeah, no, doctor. he is, actually. He's just yeah. like, he, yeah, you're just, you know, just to be a doctor and a child, look, uh, my God bless my my daughter was born with a cleft palate, so we go to a children's hospital for a lot of a different, a very different reason yeah. than some parents yeah. have to go. And just to watch these doctors, just the way that they have to all the time be like, everything is so great when you talk to these kids. And you know, yeah. you'll see kids that were you know born much less fortunate than my daughter, and mm-hmm. just the kid, but because they're being talked to like any other kid, they're you know like seeing a kid that's, you know, he's going through something. It's just like, well, it's just the same way my, my four-year-old would talk if you would let him, you know? And I think that to be that kind of a doctor in real life is very hard, but to convey that in something that is Alf's special Christmas, it's not easy, right. you know? No, he did a good job. Yeah. That is, that is the, st- it's a small performance, but yeah. I think it's a standout. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it makes sense. If, you would have if, a career if, in uh, directing actors. If we were giving awards for, for this, I think, uh, oh, I, I think he's easy. best. Actor. I would give it yeah. to him. And then honestly, you know, it's, it's, it's not Hamlet, but I would give it to Tiffany just because like, you know, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a, it's it a lot to have it to is. be, a, you know. Uh, so, but Alf overhears a conversation about how she's going to die. And then, you know, he she's got a picture. Uh, and it's like, why do you have wings in the picture? And I'm like, no. What are you <laughs> oh God, doing to me? And I'm like, That's actually when I stopped it and said, I have to finish this tomorrow. Right. Yeah, it's that when, would probably. It's when, it's when she draws a self-portrait of herself as an angel. Oh, my yeah, God. That, oh, that, would, that would definitely be the time, I think. So oh, I was done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, okay. And, you know, so they have like, you know, he like brings some joy to her, which is probably reminiscent of what they did in, you know, sort of. That's probably the part that's inspired yes, by the actual. From the, from the uh, real life story. The yeah. real life story. And, you know, and then eventually you're just like, you know, I didn't remember that they went back to see her at any point. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> and there's the end of Tiffany's story. Now Alf's in an elevator delivering a baby. And uh. and uh, Paul Fusco said that he never really loved that storyline. But he also, I guess everyone understood. It's like, you got, you can't go from the dying kid to the suicidal Santa. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you, need, you, you need to you need to yeah. throw in the the dangerous the dangerous childbirth. Yeah, no, that's that's classic, right? Yeah, that's like uh, yeah, that's 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 day one at Juilliard or whatever. And that's the funny, the funny, ironic, crazy thing about this episode is that I remembered it somewhat well, but I was talking to somebody about it probably about a month ago, or it was just a few weeks ago, and I remembered. The suicidal Santa completely forgot the terminal, terminally ill child. So uh, I, I, huh. I only remembered it being half as depressing. And then I sat down to watch it. I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, I'm in for more, aren't I? Well, uh, yeah, as I said, like he's not he's 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 not he is somewhere in between yeah. because he doesn't actually die. Right. right? Exactly. So the, the, like he's he's not the sad part. He, his story yeah. ends up OK. Yeah. You know, and and the 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 most jokes per scene are definitely in the elevator when the baby's delivered. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, what, what's right. wrong with you? I'm gonna have a baby. Did you get a second opinion? This is all very oh, Alf. That's good. You know, Alf, that's very Alf. Alf gets his uh, he gets his one liners in too. 
If you remember, mm-hmm. no problem. That was like that was big. Like you waited, no pro- <laughs> you waited for him to say no problem in the course of an ep- a regular episode, and he got. I think is, he got two in there. Phrase. Yeah, so it was good. He got his catchphrases in, and mm-hmm. uh, you know he ends up. There's, I, I should you know I should do a screen grab of it. There's this chilling shot as as Alf is in the back of Mister Foley's car trying to get back to the cabin, uh, and. He, it's like, he's got this facial expression and I, I know he's a puppet. I get it. But he's got this look on his face when he realizes that he's going to jump and you're like, I don't want Alf to ever be horrified like that, you know, because. Yeah, no, no. Right. He should, he should be, be uh, horrified that he's getting, he's, he's uh, been caught basting Lucky the cat. Or right. Exactly. Like, you know, like, yeah. Shouldn't be, shouldn't be because the, 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 the man who fixes the toys is going to jump <laughs> off of a bridge onto a frozen river. Yeah, it is the darkest thing and and they try to alleviate it with some again light comedy about how he's explaining how he's an alien and he's like i'm debating william f buckley and i'm like all right i I didn't even fully i mean i get i get the reference i guess i guess i could see how he was sort of let's just talk about that scene in general please yes let's do it this is the to me the paradox of Mr. Mr. Foley comes out fully in in that episode. So he pulls over to the first thing he does is he turns off Perry Cuo, Perry Cuo, it's Perry Como right? Como Perry yeah Cuomo. not Mario yeah, Cuomo not or Perry Andrew Cuomo, Cuomo yeah which, which Alf is into is Alf into Perry Como in other episodes I, I, I yeah <laughs> I don't know if that's I don't know if that's Alf canon I think that might just exist in the Christmas special well <laughs> I just because that this is a, a digression but it just, it reminded me of uh, of uh, Night Court Harry's affinity for Mel Torme. Oh yeah, that's true. It seems like directly sort of like taken, like a crooner. He's like you know the goofy main character, whatever. So I don't remember, but yeah, Alf is into Perry Como for some reason in that episode. Uh, That is that 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 like the so the joke is that Alf is sad that that. that Mr. Foley turned off the uh, Perry <laughs> Como song, yeah. but the real reason to be sad is that he's going to throw himself onto a frozen <laughs> river. Yeah. So the stakes get jumped up really fast. But then Alf comes out. He's like climbing very awkwardly onto the side of it. Alf comes out and tries to talk him down. And yes, there's this weird sort of debate argument that happens. There's a William F. Buckley joke, but it turns out that Alf, as far as I can tell, convinces Mr. Foley not to jump by convincing him that he is Santa Claus. Correct. Yeah, he thinks okay. that he's really Santa Claus, and that's the only reason that he doesn't. He's like, oh, well, I'm not going to kill myself in front of Santa, you know. So this is the paradox, and this is where my head honestly went when I did this. I'm like, why would Mr. Foley believe in Santa Claus? That's really weird. <laughs> and then my next is like, oh, this is a children's show, so they have to believe in Santa Claus. Yes. And I'm like, that was good for about 0.1 seconds. Then I'm like, why is he jumping off the bridge in the middle of the children's show? Right. right, like, like all, all that, all valid questions. But if you're able to believe that someone is an alien from space, I guess I could then also be convinced that, well, you know what's more believable than that? That there's really a Santa Claus. I, so you, oh, are you saying that Santa Claus exists in the in the world of Alf? Uh, maybe, maybe that's the case that they're making. But <laughs> you know, again, because it's for kids, it's it's such a uh, you know. It's a, you know, look when it when a TV show that airs, you know, like this was on at eight o'clock. You have to you have to be all in on Santa. I mean, I remember, oh, I, I remember I every I every year the TV Guide Cheers and Jeers would uh, criticize. They would always criticize the show that referenced whether or not there was a Santa, and it's like, well, don't even bring it up. 
Like, because yeah. like kids are probably, I mean, back then when, you know, if you had cable, you were lucky and you had like 36 channels, you know, it's mm -hmm. like you were probably watching something on one of the networks. And if they were talking about Santa, you're like, yeah. So, yeah, I, I it, it, it's, uh, it is interesting I, that that's what convinces him, you know, to, and then he's like, gonna, you know, I'll take I just me had to hold in my head that yeah. it's very important for them to not acknowledge the fictional nature of, of Santa Claus. Yeah. It is not because, because kids, right? But it is not very important for them to not threaten to have a nice man jump onto a frozen river to his gory death in front of kids. Or for like, like I a couldn't square this. <laughs> for a sad little girl who finally gets to have like one enjoyable one evening with one friend. Uh, that she's still gonna die, you know. They they didn't need to they didn't need to do anything that makes us think like, or even like, you know. Oh, you know this this family is, or this girl's gonna live in your room for a little while. Here's a new friend, you know. And there's yeah. there's really nothing. There there is the the fact that they that the Tanners go visit her, which I didn't remember. And I'm like, all right, good. At least she has a second day where somebody cares about her. It's you know? nice to her. Yeah, she yeah. sees Alf again. From yeah. the window. but that's kind of sad too. All she gets to do is wave to him from the window. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it looks like, yeah. like he's going off to war. Okay. I mean the the yeah, it, it, <laughs> it's well, it's not like, a great. It's not a great second day with your best friend. No, it's, and it's it's like the end of Stand By Me, too, because he's looking yes. up at her, and it's yeah. like, I'm surprised she didn't disappear, you know? <laughs> because it's like, all right, so I'm never going to see you again, and because of the nature of this episode, I'll never reference you. <laughs> you know, oh you gosh, won't be yeah. in the... You, you it, won't it, be it's in like the, Pete's you, Dragon, but the kid disappears, right? <laughs> right, exactly. She's not going to be in the Clips episode in season four. You know, <laughs> oh, you'll just ignore no. this episode. Uh, uh, and, uh, no, she's in fact going to be purged, which seems to have been largely what has happened. Right, right exactly. So, yeah, I mean, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that uh, then there's also this like weird sort of resolution where Mr. Foley was going to give the Tanner family the cabin. Uh, he starts giving away all of his possessions. He's giving everything away. You... And by the way, everybody he tells everybody, don't open the letters until Christmas. Literally everyone opens it the day before. And the point well, because is because he's being all weird and, yeah. and suicide. I mean <laughs> Yeah, well the, well good. It's good that somebody paid attention. But that was exactly the thing that Willie got mad at Alf about. But that's besides the point, I guess. Huh, huh. Uh, uh, Willie, Willie Tanner hypocrite. That's a good that's yeah, a good look, angle. I hadn't taken yeah, it. Yeah, well, you know, look, this is the important issues. This is why people tune into the black cast. That's why people are still listening. Because they want my hot takes on Willie Tanner as a TV dad. Oh, that's right. It's a different ethical perspective. <laughs> Perspective on it, right? I, I, you, you, I was thinking a little more like consequentialist. You know, she, he realized something's wrong. He wants to save, he wants to save Mr. Foley. But you're more of like a Kantian categorical, like it is wrong. Yeah. You promised, well, don't do it. Don't do I it. like but this then, debate. But then also, he's like, I, I can't take your cabin, not because it's too generous, but because I don't want to pay the taxes. <laughs> the tax issues. I'm, I'm I, like, I feel like a lot of, I, I know I can't, I can't. Don't, don't ask for for references. But I feel like a lot of abstract references, like bureaucratic taxes and stuff like. I, I remember a lot of this from sitcoms. Yeah. Like joke jokes about the IRS yeah. and things well, that like I, I don't when, know who was getting them. I mean, the time. On, on Cheers, when Sam gets the bar back, he has to buy it back for a dollar so he doesn't have to, you know, pay the gift tax. But yeah. then it's like a really funny scene because he doesn't have any cash. So he borrows uh -huh. change from it. So he buys the bar back for 85 cents. So yeah. So I, oh, I thought oh, we also totally out of nowhere, the other reference was uh, there's an episode of Who's the Boss? 
where the IRS comes to determine if uh, if Tony and Angela are married because uh, are functionally oh, yeah. married because if they are, they would be uh, cheating on their taxes <laughs> if they were denying their their common law marriage. So there right. that there's evidence for this. Yeah, no, no. This this uh, apparently uh, TV writers, especially in the late '80s, had a lot of tax problems. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. <laughs> they look. They sense. didn't. They didn't get residuals in the same way they do now. You know. Uh, uh, no. I can imagine a lot of like uh, the, the writer's brother is a is a is a CPA kind of situation. So all right, that, yeah. that, there's there's probably some some history here. So I mean, it it just ends in a way where you're like, all right, so Mr. Foley's not dead. That's the plus. There's a mm-hmm. baby in the world. Okay, uh, she did name the baby Tiffany, which is nice. You know, they you know it's like all right, you're pulling on some TV heartstrings for for this time and place. But it, it certainly doesn't have a happy ending. No, I to, to go back for no reason to go back. Uh, that that is a good the that you said the most laughs per episode are in the elevator with yeah. the, with the baby. Uh, Alf does not know. Alf asks. This is Alf. This is an interesting character point, right? So the baby is born. Uh, the mother is like, "How can I thank you?" And Alf says, "You you just did. You you said thank you." And then Alf, Alf asked the child to be named after him. Yeah, that's true. He does <laughs> named Gordon. So his first instinct yeah. is that. Yeah. And then when he's reminded the baby is a girl, he says Tiffany. So Alf, yeah. Alf, like Tiffany is not that much on the mind of Alf here. It, it forces him to go down this like this other path to get to Tiffany. And there's a joke about how he's thinking about golf because also in the '80s, all doctors did was golf. I remember this exclusively from sitcoms. No, that that's absolutely true. You know, and uh, well, you know, I mean, there were, uh, I mean, cops eating donuts was uh, so cops important. eating donuts and, and doctors golfing. Yeah. cops right. eating donuts was so important that uh, the Bengals put it multiple times into the song "Walk Like an Egyptian" from uh, the huh? same time period. Uh, yeah. So uh, let's let's kind of look at this big picture. Say somehow, just surprisingly. Uh, you have a child who finds Alf really funny. You know, I don't know. It's on. There's, it's, there's. That's the dream. Just yeah. That that just like is watching episodes of Alf. Uh, is there any age where you feel like it would be appropriate to show them this? Ha! Oh, that's a good question. So, I mean, all right. So there's a, there's appropriate, and then there is like. Is there any value in it? So, so appropriate. I mean, I suppose if you somehow, I feel like I did ten, eleven, twelve, and you understand death. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's inappropriate. I would ask why you would devote forty-seven <laughs> minutes, though. Right? Yeah, that's like true. what is in it for you? Yeah, I mean, and and again, I mean, maybe if they're studying that max that that max uh, right performance. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, well, that's what I'm wondering. It's like, well, like my, a my, high school play or whatever, yeah. their, their version of uh, a cat in a hot tin roof or whatever. <laughs> when my kids are in college, I might be like, well, you know, you should watch this as just a study in, you know, what not to do. And you know, by that point, the show will be like 50 years old. Uh, well, or simply, uh, well, I, and I do, I teach courses in television yeah. history. Uh, one, just to be like, man, back when there wasn't that many channels, they just push it on TV. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And, you know, look, I think that, uh, look, TV can be really helpful, uh, in, in terms of in, just in terms, look, you can talk about all the ways in which TV is bad for parenting. Uh, just for me personally, I've found, uh, a little bit, uh, Mr. Rogers neighborhood, but specifically Daniel Tiger's neighborhood, yeah. the offshoot of that has helped with a lot of things. We mm-hmm. literally saved the episode 
where Daniel Tiger's fish died because mm. we knew that, look, my wife's grandmother passed away at 104 uh, earlier this yeah. year. And so we kind of knew, but we're like, we're not going to watch that one for fun. We're going to save no. that. And so we watched it with it. You know, we, we took him out of school early. We left his sister there and we talked to him about it. And, you know, we kind of think he got it. I was, I was ready to, you know, how old? Uh, he was, uh, he was almost four at the time. Mm, yeah. yeah. So, uh, we talked to him first, mm, you know, we tried to explain hard. it and then we're like, well, let's let, let's let dad tiger do the parenting, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, yeah. I, and I don't, and the reason why I'm bringing it up is one to show that, uh, you know, it's genetic. My, my parents let TV do a lot of their parenting. <laughs> and so clearly I'm doing the same thing, but also because I think if you wanted a kid to understand, like, you know, you have a friend that's not going to be around anymore. This isn't going to, this isn't going to no. make it easier. You know, this is going to no, make no, it a lot no, no. harder. Is, no, she suffers. She yeah. suffers uh, a lot yeah. in a way that she doesn't have to, right? Like, um, uh, she, she could have friends, yeah. And and be comforted by something other than an alien uh, who, you know, she may or may not believe exists. Yeah, no, there, there's there's an extra level of like uh, depressing desolation yeah. built into her. Even yeah. other dying kids don't want to hang out with her. That's right. That's right. What, what's wrong and with she's her? She's so pleasant. Right. She's nice. <laughs> look, she's look, she's on TV. You know, I mean, this girl's in two shows at this point well, in her life, you know, well, so even just in the script, yeah. uh, it's hard because she has a lot of one side of a conversation because in her head, she's yeah. speaking for Al. Yeah. Also, as I said, depressing, weird stuff left unsaid. It's a, a common thing. Yeah. In this. yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but like, you know, she seems to be having like discussions about like, you know, like pop culture stuff. And like, it just seems cool. Yeah. Uh, this uh, it, nobody nobody will talk. No, there's no lesson there. Also, she doesn't die in a way that would be clear. You you have to be fairly like uh, an eleven year old, I guess would would figure out that she died. I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, it's hard for me to put myself in the place of when I watched it. I was eleven when it was on. And, uh, you know, I, I felt like I got it, you know, I mean, I'd seen very special episodes, uh, dealing with all sorts of things on, on sitcoms before, you know, which there's a, there's a future conversation, by the way, uh, the yeah. very special episode as, as an art form, you know? Oh, I actually have a, I have a, I have a, a co-guest that I'd love to bring on for that. Oh, talk it's yeah. actually, uh, uh, my friend at Marist college, which, uh, oh my gosh, where I, I'm a distinguished alumni. I don't know how to distinguish That's right. They're, they have an expert there on very special episodes. It's interesting because, yeah, I mean, I, it's like I'm fascinated by the very special episode and the the one that gets referenced the most, of course, being Different Strokes with Gordon Jump from WKRP in Cincinnati is the guy who owns the bike shop who's a child molester. Yeah. And you're just like and, – and I don't know. I'm like I, I feel like telling stories like that can be helpful. I don't know if these writers are equipped to do it in in a way that helps. But more than can anything, can I briefly jump in with my favorite? Please, uh, just to tease this future episode. Yes, uh, it's dinosaurs. Okay, the the happy plant episode. So there's a, a drug episode, a, a marijuana episode. Wow, and as best i can remember it the lesson you're supposed to learn from it is don't use drugs so we don't have to make these stupid very special episodes anymore <laughs> now that's funny 
That's what I, that is what I remember. It's got like a, a fourth wall breaking thing yeah. where like it ends and they zoom back and like it's dinosaurs working the uh, working the cameras and working the boom mics and whatever. And if I remember correctly, it's like, you know, just don't do this. So we don't have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but by the way, the that one, the one I referenced, the different strokes is like the legendary one. The one I found out about more recently, but I've never actually seen is there's a too close for comfort episode that they like apparently like kept on the shelf for two years because they knew that they'd done something wrong. The <laughs> Jim J. Bullock character, and if you don't know anything about Jim J. Bullock, you should Google him. Uh, he, before you could say somebody was gay on TV, you would say, oh, they're like Jim J. Bullock or they're like Monroe. That was his character. And it's played for high comedy that Monroe is kidnapped by two women and I think raped repeatedly because it's mm. supposed to be funny because like, well, obviously who wouldn't want that? And, uh, you know, even in like 1981, they're I've like, got, I've got questions, but I'm going to save. Them. Well, I haven't seen it. So I think that's the thing is I need to track that down. So, uh, but yeah. uh, you know, and I mean, you know, you can, you can take it into other, other media, you know, there's like, there's an issue of the incredible Hulk comic book from the early eighties where, uh, Bruce Banner has to stay at the YMCA and uh, there are people who are uh, after him who turn out to have uh, homosexual intentions. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, you're just like, wait, uh. what? So you're only safe at the YMCA if you can turn into the Hulk. So look, there's uh. a, it's a... I, you Wait, know, what's the lesson there? I, I don't <laughs> think there is one from that one. You know, I mean, yeah. what is it from Too Close for Comfort? You know, like what? Well, we, I don't know. Yeah, that one I don't know if yeah. it's about. It's, the, so <laughs> I, I don't know. That isn't entirely yeah. a mystery. When, I, the only other one that I want to toss in is is Jesse's caffeine pills from Saved by the Bell. Oh, that's and, a that's a. That's I mean, that's an all, for me all time legendary. You know, yeah. I mean, that's so the Pantheon. Yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, and if you really look at it, it's all Zach Morris's fault that she ends up on caffeine pill oh, yeah. yeah because obviously he was, yeah so it, as with most things in that show it's it, you just it well, goes he's back. the prime driver i mean yeah. he's really he's, uh, yeah but not, not much uh, <laughs> not much takes place outside of well, his sphere of influence well i'm glad we know what we can talk about in the future but one thing yeah. that, one thing that i also have to let you know about that i wasn't aware of until i was doing my research on the alf christmas special there's apparently a two-part alf thanksgiving special where Alf aids a homeless man in the Tanner's neighborhood. Um, and I'm, it, in. I'm it's, in. It's written by the same guy, Steve Hollander. And he says that after that episode airs, my mother watched the show with some young kids in the neighborhood and said they didn't laugh once. And he's like, that's great, Mom. That's just what I wanted. And I'm like, you're doing... Two-part episodes of Alf where nobody laughs? Nobody laughs like, once. That, uh, also, you could, I mean, you know, I, I could achieve that. We could achieve that. I mean, the, <laughs> look, there, look, there might be, there might be many episodes of Alf where you show it, like, you know, you show it. Do you teach undergrad, grad, both? I mean, it's, it only. Uh, m mostly undergrad. Yeah. So if you show it to kids who are like, maybe like right about to be 20, you could probably show them any episode of Alf and they might not laugh at anything. <laughs> but Well, right. But I will tell you, uh, like, apparently. I, even this one, I I I remember I remember uproarious laughter uh, consistently uh, in 1988. So yeah, it, no. it, it, the times have changed. T times have definitely changed. Uh, so anyway, well, this is uh, this is for me. This is uh, sort of a, it's a great lesson. Is is there a favorite? Before I let you go, is there a favorite holiday episode or holiday TV special that uh, always uh, stood out for you? You know, something that you always enjoyed seeing. Uh, you know, year after year. Uh, for me, it was always the 
a multitude of airings of Emma Daughter's Jug Band Christmas on HBO. Uh, that was always <laughs> my favorite because, you know, obviously even like we had a VCR early, but you know, we didn't, we didn't have it until Christmas, 1984. So, mm. uh, before that, if you wanted to see something, you had to hope it came on TV again. And fortunately, right, right. Uh, it, HBO, it was like R rated movies at night and, you know, just Jim Henson properties during the day. So I, not really. I mean, I come with this, uh, I'm Jewish. Uh, sure. I come with this well, with somewhat yeah. different angle. The, it wasn't so important for me, but I recently showed my, my, uh, my almost four-year-old son the Rugrats Hanukkah special. Right. And that is like a delirious, incredibly weird good time. Yeah, like, I, I uh, it's just all over the place. When and you can't tell who's Jewish, you can't tell who isn't. Like the the there's like kept like half of them are like Soviet refuseniks. The other half seem to be Holocaust deniers. The other half seem to be just like wow. uh, the like eighties guys. Co- oh, it's really wild. And uh, and like a lot of the it's got like real history in it, and then it's got these bizarre ways of. Like oh they're teaching the history of the Maccabees and the yeah. story of Hanukkah, but then it's it's all filtered through the like uh, verbal miscues of babies, <laughs> right? Of course, <laughs> so they're like getting it wrong. Yeah. But if you know what it is already, you're getting it right. But if you're my four year old son, you just have no idea. Yeah. It, it's beautiful. I really well, I really quite like the, it. The the uh, the interesting thing for me is that when I was in high school, my first girlfriend was Jewish, and so she, so I. I, I know that I watched the Rugrats Passover special and that was like the first so time good. I had any idea of what, like I, I knew it was a day cause I'd see it on the calendar and you know, we would have yeah. it off in my public school. I didn't really know anything about it. And I think I learned about Hanukkah the same way. Cause like I knew like, Oh, it's eight nights, but beyond mm-hmm. that, you know, in, in my town, it was, you know, there, there, <laughs> there weren't, there wasn't a lot of diversity in my town. You know, it was like a very small, uh, uh, like my high school graduating class was 63 people. You know, mm-hmm. there was a Jewish family in my town. There was one African-American family in my town. It's just the kind of the way it was, you know, uh, it was yeah. very, very Irish and Italian. And then sort of the rest of us made up a small part of the pie. Uh, and you know, it was just like, yeah, I just like, I didn't know anything like that, but I, I, but what I understood from my then girlfriend was like, oh, you don't have anything. You don't have anything to look forward to. I mean, in the years since you've gotten like a, a, an Adam Sandler movie that by all indications is probably not particularly good. The eight crazy nights. Not not great. Yeah. Um, but I hear, but I hear uncut gems is good. So at least there's that, that could be a new, that could be the new Hanukkah movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's an interesting angle. I don't know. We'll see if they take that. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's funny to me and I don't want to get too bogged down in this cause I know you have to go, but when you hear about the war on Christmas, I'm like, I love Christmas and I, you can't start playing Christmas music, uh, early enough as long as it's after Halloween. So I guess you can do it mm-hmm. early enough as long as it's after Halloween. I'm all right. But the idea, it's like, well, what's on TV, you know, like what, you know, what Hanukkah specials or just general, <laughs> you know, you know, I, I, I feel like a couple shows have done like the Kwanzaa special, but you, you don't, there's not uh, a lot. This is pretty, this is pretty marginal. Yeah. yeah. This is, this would be a yeah. very, uh, yeah, no. And there, there was, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't get into this, but there was a, there was a, a number of funny reviews and descriptions of the two Hallmark, uh, Hanukkah movies that apparently they came out with. Um, uh, this, this is a complaint that I don't know who had, that there wasn't enough Jewish representation in, in, in Hallmark Christmas movies, but apparently, and I, again, I haven't seen them. I just read the reviews. Apparently the, the, the Hanukkah movies are just about Jewish people being at Christmas parties and not knowing what to do. <laughs> 
<laughs> which, oh, no. which I mean, I will understand that in a religious, like if you said like code of Christmas mass, yeah. then maybe and then vice versa. Yeah. Right. If you showed up at the show and you weren't Jewish, but a Christmas party, like I, I feel like a, yeah. uh, it's sort of in the air and B, are there like ritual things you do? Have I not been invited to the right Christmas parties? <laughs> like I've never, never felt out of, out of place yeah. at a Christmas party. Well, because it's 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 like a party other times of the year. There, you know, they <laughs> might they might do like the you know like a white elephant gift exchange or something like that. You know, but, I, I understand the concept yeah. of uh, giving uh, you, you, gifts. <laughs> so I feel like I could learn yeah. the details of yeah. the exchange. Without, right. Yeah. Even like, if, I, yeah. Even if you don't understand, you're just like, wait, okay, so I give somebody something and then I'll get. Okay, gotcha. Great. And I've the, learned. And what would be? I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I mean, who knows? Maybe I've read the wrong review. Maybe the reviews are not as kind. But I just can't even like in my head twist around. Like oh this is this is where we eat the bacon shrimp and you have to do it like I can't yeah get, I can't even fathom but the the point uh, being that uh, yeah of course all the stuff is about Christmas and a yeah. why shouldn't it be and b uh, it's a great war to fight because you, you you've already won right yeah so, I mean yeah yeah it's uh I, I don't know it's uh. I, I, I yeah, it, it, it's uh, the look. The war on Christmas starts earlier and earlier every year, you know. And uh, there are there are many warriors in there, and uh, uh, there are a lot of people fighting it against people that don't even realize it's being fought, you know. Uh, so I mean, oh, I, another good, another good. Uh, 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 it's somewhat related. Uh, Studio sixty on the sunset. Uh, well, it's just Studio sixty. Right. Uh, the, yeah. The, the the Aaron Sorkin the show in it is called Studio sixty on the Sunset Script. Right. Strip uh, has a nice Christmas episode, uh, which is a theme that you find in other things. Matthew Perry plays the Jew, and he is the only one who understands Christmas. If I remember the. Uh, well, let's be fair. There, uh, Matthew Perry is the only one who understands a lot about the world. You know, <laughs> I mean, I think he was the only one in Friends who understood what was going on. But anyway, so wait, was this with like the the that kid's brother was like uh was gonna was like a a prisoner of war or yeah yeah yeah, oh yeah god i don't all i really remember in it is that it starts off and judd hirsch was the previous head of this like snl yeah so show. he was basically lorne michaels on he's lorne michaels yeah. yeah he's lorne michaels and he's like a grinchy yeah anti Christmas guy, and so you're watching it like eh, that's that seems kind of anti-Semitic. I, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't like this. And then it's supposed to be redeemed by Matthew Perry and Bradley Whitford are, are also Jewish, and they understand Christmas. And like it's got like a war on Christmas thing in it, in that the Christian people in the show have learned to pretend they don't like Christmas. Yeah. So like, right, like they 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 learn to pretend like oh Christmas uh, is not good because whatever I don't even know. Yeah. Uh, but then the Jewish characters are the ones who step in uh, and save Christmas, which I guess is just Aaron Sorkin's God complex, like really like in full in <laughs> well, full form. You know, I hadn't thought about Studio sixty in a little while, and uh, I, as we wind down here, I will use it as the example to point out that I have terrible instincts sometimes. You thought uh, that was going to work? Well, here's the thing. There were two pilots that I saw that that pilot season. I saw the pilot for Studio 60 and the pilot for 30 Rock. Now, to 30 be fair, Rock, yeah, it's the pilot. It's the original 30 Rock pilot where Rachel Dratch was in the role that went to Jane Krakowski. So mm. I honestly feel like the show didn't work as well. I love Rachel Dratch. I think she's very funny. Yeah. I just think she didn't. It just didn't work there. And I so I saw the two pilots. I'm like, well, that 30 Rock thing's not going to get up on TV. But boy, that uh, Studio 60 will probably be on as long as the West Wing. Mm. So uh, clearly, uh, I did not have good instincts there. 
I mean, they, they right. And this is man. If you want to do an episode on that, I would love to talk about that for a while. Sure. My 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 quick gloss on it is just that that in Thirty Rock, the sketches didn't have to be believable, yeah. or funny. And in Studio Sixty, they did. And, and, and how are, are you going to write a drama and an SNL? Like, well, you know, twenty and, times and, a and season. It proved that as talented as Aaron Sorkin is, he can't write sketches because the sketches no, within they, the show. Who they not, bring in? Kevin McD- Who they bring in? They brought some, some somebody. One of the uh, uh, Mark McKenney, I think. Mark McKenney, one of the kids yeah, in the hall. One, yeah, one they brought yeah, in a few people, so. and yeah, it was supposed to be the coolest, hippest uh, show on TV. And you're like, wait, these are the sketches that are on this cool, hip show, but. The fundamental problem with that, and again, we should definitely talk about this in the future, is that you treated producing Saturday Night Live like it was just as important as as the West Wing, and you're like, well, no, it's not. It's just a dumb TV show, you know, you know. Yeah, so. no, well, yeah, I guess that's right. But I mean, and this maybe is pro- inside of the picture. I mean, you you read like SNL, you know, uh, biographies and, and the way that people describe sort of the meat grinder of it. Yeah. And I can see why he thought that, right? Because yeah, of course, from an audience perspective, that's dumb, right? Yeah. That's not running running the world. But uh, like, if you take the the perspective of uh, you know a White House staffer versus a a staff writer on SNL, at least in the books we read, they they seem similarly pressured right, right. I, like, I think like, yeah like i think the there's drama. a lot of pressure but if you get your job wrong uh you know stakes maybe, are just not yeah, there really yeah, but uh, uh, yeah if you if you if you do your job wrong on snl then like a sketch like leather weather gets on the air if you do <laughs> if you do the the job wrong uh, in the white house uh then i will let the audience pick their particular least favorite president yeah, like, and they will no. pick a particular moment from that least favorite president so that uh you know i can yeah, stay is, out of yeah. all of that they you know, whoever it is for that you know, because no, for sure. But I see, I, I nonetheless, especially as a writer, right? As yeah. he, uh, him, as somebody who's writing this thing, uh, like the intensity that that sort of a writer feels and the pressure to come up with something, it could feel like the pressure of making sort of uh, world changing yeah. geopolitical decisions. None of this has to do with Christmas or, or uh, Alf, dying children or suicidal old men. Yeah. Uh, who are just barely saved by aliens pretending to be Santa Claus. I, so I, I just hope that this conversation uh, begins a bigger conversation that gets Alf back on TV. He's come back yeah. a couple of times, but it's been mm-hmm. a while now, and I'm ready. I'm ready for more Alf in my life. An Alf uh, reboot. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the hard Alf reboot. Uh, what, if, what, what, if, what if the first episode, it turns out Tiffany didn't die? Oh, uh, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> she's like she's like yeah i i always figured you would come back but then uh then <laughs> yeah, you didn't you know it's, <laughs> it's like yeah i've got yeah. i've got this yeah, it's she's a, got like a shadow it's have you a, even seen my food blog yeah it's a it's a very doctor who thing that happens he visits this little girl when she's like 10 and then uh he's like yeah i'll be right back and then he shows up uh, when she's an adult played by Karen Gillan. And she's like, oh, yeah, I, I had to go into therapy. Everybody told me that it wasn't real, that this man in a blue box showed up. So, yeah, just imagine if Tiffany lives. It's like, oh, the alien you met again with this. All right. Yeah. Great. I'm not saying I'm willing to quit my career to work on this with you, but I, I'm not saying I'm not. <laughs> not saying to. I'm not. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, delightful uh, once again, Matt Sinkowitz, the associate professor of communication and international studies at Boston College, and you and Nick Marks did the comedy studies reader, which I'm holding in my hand right here. I have to send out. I did pick a winner. I totally forgot to send it out. I, I will send out a winner from the last episode. Oh, great. 
I totally just blanked on it because other things are going on. Uh, but I'll, I had a winner from the last one. And then uh, give me a follow at Media Studied and uh, just say hi. And I'll, I'll do a random. Yeah. I'll, send out a, I'll send out both that and one and this one. If you would like to tell both of us your favorite uh, ALF joke that you yes. remember from the show. Uh, we will probably both laugh at it. So or right. So so put in the tweet either that or what was your Alf? What's the thing oh, yeah. you washed when you were eight years old uh, that now everybody would be uh, shocked and appalled by, but you you couldn't get enough of? <laughs> right, exactly. Because Alf Alf is the perfect definition of that. Uh, well, and of course you can follow me at Christian DMZ, and don't forget at Blackcast B L A D T C A S T dot com at Christian DMZ. As I said, uh, the Blackcast on Facebook, Blackcast. Dot com, all spelled B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T dot com. And of course, uh, hopefully a very special ALF Christmas to all of you. Happy holidays to everyone. And uh, we will see you next time on the Blackcast. Don't jump. <laughs> yeah, don't jump. They call me back no Santa. See you.